Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings and welcome back, my friends, to episode 95 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for uh, being patient with me. Uh, This week we have a very special guest in writer and poet. Juliet Vandermolen, and you know, I want to start this week off with uh, firstly an apology to Juliet. This episode was supposed to have been up yesterday, November 12th. Uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, do that at the time. Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been quite the last almost week now. As a lot of you know, uh, I did have knee surgery on Friday, the uh, the eighth. Uh, it's no big deal, really. Uh, it's just it's been a long time coming. And uh, so I spent the weekend kind of recovering from some of that, letting the swelling go down and whatever. But, uh, you know, I didn't plan things out very well. I didn't have any of my equipment upstairs. They was all downstairs in my studio. So I didn't get to complete the edits on the, uh, the episode like I had planned. Basically, I just didn't get a chance to record this stuff. And I thought, well, that's no problem. I've got plenty of time. I can work on it Sunday or Monday, maybe. And uh, no, nah, as it happens... Uh, sickness <laughs> hit the house well there's a flu bug going around and even though i've got my flu shot and my wife has hers as well uh we ended up with uh, some of the kids and grandkids even spent uh, the, the, some time with us we have one of our grandsons here with us now still and uh that's been kind of going through the house so i didn't sound as good yesterday and uh i've even I don't, i've hardly even been posting on social media lately i've just been exhausted as you can imagine with the uh, soreness and uh, sickness kind of adding to it so it's been a little bit uh, troublesome but uh, you know I still should have made the time to make a few posts and make sure everybody's aware that you know this is what I'm dealing with and uh, I just kind of fooled myself into thinking I had the time and uh, all of a sudden I had no time (laughs) so my apologies everybody Uh, I'm glad to have this episode up now and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Uh, Juliet's interview and her reading, her poetry, is, uh, I say at one point it's exquisite, and it, it truly is. It's really, really something, and you're in for a treat. Uh, in other news, um, <laughs> as the saying goes, when it rains, it pours. So not only have I been dealing with this other stuff this week, but uh, also... The giveaway posts that I had scheduled and set up on how to click on this and that for uh, for the giveaways that are running right now, they failed to post. And, you know, of course, being mostly off social media, not reading any emails and such lately, uh, I did not, I was unaware that this has not, hadn't been working. I did see where I got a few emails from people saying uh, they were having trouble and they just wanted to go ahead and send me an email saying they want to sign up. So, yes, if you sent me an email, you're in. I'm going to put you in for all of the giveaways. Uh, your name will go in there. and uh, we, won't, we won't be giving the same person multiple gifts, so don't worry. You know, if you're worried about putting your name in, uh, we will have multiple winners. It will not be just one person winning all of it or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I'll just, uh, if you send me an email telling me that you want to uh, be in the giveaways, then I'll put you in for uh, all of them. But uh, I'm going to get this. Uh, I've got a few more days of uh, rest here at home and now that I'm feeling better and things are going better and I can actually move my knee a little bit then uh, I'm gonna be back down here in the studio more often I can get some work done and figure out what's happening with this uh, with these giveaway posts 
but uh, we'll have more of them up on our social media pages here real soon. Uh, so make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the email, in case I, you haven't heard, that is samplechapterpodcast@gmail.com. You can reach out to us through that and let us know that you want to be a part of either be a part of the show or you want to sign up for the giveaways that we're going to be having, and we'll get you we'll get you all set. There's still lots of time, so don't worry about that. It, it's unfortunate that uh, this hasn't happened, hasn't been working well, but I purposely wanted to try and start early on some of this instead of waiting for the last week. We still got a few more weeks. Uh, that 100th episode isn't coming up until December 10th. And uh, so, yeah, we got plenty of time. So anyway, I want to thank all of you out there uh, for tuning in and, and checking things out. Last week's episode with my friend Dan Bergman, I've been, I did uh, get a chance to look last night, finally. Uh, my first time in almost a week uh, checking things out. And his episode's doing amazingly well. Everybody really likes that fantasy story that he did. And uh, I've gotten some really good feedback on that, so I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I really appreciate everybody around the world tuning in again. You know, oh my gosh, all of you in South America, Spain, Australia, just all across Europe, you know, everywhere. Canada, you guys are incredible. Mexico, <laughs> you all are incredible. And of course, yes, right here in America, uh, you guys are amazing as well. Um, Speaking of America, I do want to wish a belated Happy Veterans Day to all my fellow veterans out there. Uh, I am one myself, and uh, of course, the most special veteran in my life is my wife, uh, who who also served uh, 16 years. So, a very very special belated Happy Veterans Day to to my wife Holly. She is that gorgeous voice at the beginning of every episode introducing the show. So, uh, but all of you veterans out there around the world, anybody who's listening, thank you so much for your service. And I really appreciate, honor everything that you do. Hey, make sure you guys click the links in the show notes for our friends and sponsors. Uh, sponsors like you, Storall, who've been with us from the very beginning. They are the premier place for self-storage in the Warrensburg, Missouri area. If you're looking to store anything, because, you know, winter's coming... You want to make sure to get a hold of them at ustoral.net. That's spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L.net. Uh, their Google presence has been growing. They've gotten so many fantastic reviews. So go in there and check those out. See what the, the reviews are. See what people are saying. Don't just take my word for it. Um, and also spend some time on their website because they're fully fenced in. Gated access. You're going to have your own private gate code. More than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day. Climate control and non-climate control. And let me tell you, this place, the, both of these facilities are clean like you wouldn't believe. Nice, clean driveways, no garbage, no junk everywhere. It's it's nice. So you're going to feel really comfortable storing there. So check them out at ustoreall.net. I also want to thank longtime sponsor Scrivener who are uh, not only a sponsor of the show, but also my favorite writing software. Uh, I'm using them right now with NaNoWriMo. I'm pounding out the words. I'm, I've almost finished my Alien story, and then I'm starting on the uh, book two here. Uh, maybe today? It's possible. Uh, but Scrivener allows me to take all of my information about my characters, their background information, the story arcs, all this kind of stuff, all the, all the information about the story, and move it over to book two when I'm ready to start on that. I don't have to re-enter all that information. I can just shift it over to book two. 
it's incredible software. You're going to love it. So check them out. Click the link in the show notes so that you can get a copy for yourself. And don't forget to use the coupon in the commercial coming up here in just a moment to save 20% on your desktop version. Check that out. And of course, don't forget to get on over and check out my friends at popgoestheculture.com. Tons of great podcasts and pop culture blogs and other information going on all the time. They have some wonderful shows, uh, episodes I listen to every week. I uh, never miss an episode, and uh, I'm really enjoying some of the blogs put up by, uh, by a few of those guys. I, I love pop culture entertainment. I think you're going to like it, so check it out, popculture.com. So yes, back to our guest this week, writer-poet Juliet Vandermullen. Uh, it was really cool getting to talk to her. I had a really, really wonderful time visiting with her, and we were talking poetry and perspective. <laughs> you know, one of the things that she mentions is how you know poetry is not some secret club. Anybody can do it. You can find that poetry bug within you, uh, and that's what she did. She she was she wrote prose for a long time, then stopped, and then all of a sudden she came back to writing in poetry. And uh, she's doing extremely well. Her, her poems are intricate and inspirational. And the pre-order for her latest book, Anatomy Address, is available right now. This is the book of poems that you're going to hear from today. Pre-order is already available, so click the links in the show notes for that. And uh, don't forget to uh, uh, check out her website as well. Among the many things, other things that we talked about was her love of writing historical poetry, um, moments in time that she writes a poem about how poetry is a combination a little bit of pantsing and plotting it's it's kind of you know sometimes it's spur of the moment inspiration and other times it's planned out because like with this book anatomy address it's a series of poems it's they all have a theme and so you gotta you know so she, you're building this uh this storyboard of poems that all have to do with that same thing. So it, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I am really off my game <laughs> and I'm going on a little longer than I like to go. So how about I just shut up and <laughs> I will just step aside. We're going to play the commercial from our sponsor Scrivener here in just one second. And then you're going to hear from our interview with the wonderful Juliet Vandermolen. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. My hem. My hem is not the waterline of marked desire or intention. It is just a finished edge that falls here or there. It is not a signal to send hands into a traffic pattern or to obstruct. It is not up for debate or for speculation. It asks for nothing. 
Oh my goodness, that was lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. That was incredible. It was a, a new way to open the show, and uh, I loved it because uh, we are speaking with writer and poet Juliet Vandermolen, and that was her, one of her poems coming from her next book, Anatomy of Dress, coming real soon. Uh, Juliet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's my pleasure, and thank you for that uh, that wonderful introduction. This is this is going to be a very special episode. I feel. Yeah, I'm really excited to to be talking with you about it. Now you are. Let me see. You were in New York and just recently moved to Wales. Now, are you Correct. are you from New York originally? No, no, I'm from Missouri, from a a town called Independence. Oh my goodness, you were just down the road from me. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here in Warrensburg, so yep. I, okay. Yep, I was actually just in Independence the other night for dinner. Oh, wow, yeah, I haven't been in a while, but most of my family lives around Kansas City, and then I have um, family in Buffalo. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to think if I knew this or not, because this is really blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Well, give us a little bit of your background. So I was living in, I was actually living in New Jersey. I was in the greater New York City area for the last like five years. And I've been writing most of my life, but I hadn't written poetry until a couple of years ago. And I didn't really do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wrote a lot of um, prose and creative nonfiction. And, uh, you know, I meant to to go at that pretty hard after I graduated from high school, but life gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was out of writing for a really long time. And when I came back to it, I was writing some flash fiction and short, like 55 word pieces. And um, I started, somebody said to me, Oh, I, I really liked your prose poem. And I thought, well, what the heck is that? So <laughs> I, started, I started looking at it and I started uh, rearranging words and I started writing a lot more poetry and connecting with poets and it's just taken off from there. Wow. Okay. So this wasn't, like you said, this wasn't something you set out to do because I was going to ask why poetry? It's interesting because I, um, I, like I said, I didn't write for a really long time and you know, if you don't exercise that muscle, sometimes you feel like, oh, maybe I lost it. So for a long time, I started um, in my 30s, I started painting and doing kind of visual art stuff um, because I wanted to express myself, but I just wasn't ready to go back into writing. And when I came out of that, um, I thought, you know, the thing I loved about painting is there's so many things that you can say with a visual image that don't require a lot of words. And Poetry for me is kind of like that too, where you kind of fill in part of it and you give the impressions and the feelings, but you let the reader kind of bring their own experience to it and they get to experience it in a different way. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, cause I, I was never a big, I had an, a, you know, something of an appreciation for poetry, but as a, you know, the, the, the guy, I guess it'd be the best way to put it. I'm, I'm the typical guy, I guess you could say. And so it's like, oh, well, you know, I can't write, write poetry and whatever. But at right. the same time, over, over the years, though, I have really 
come to appreciate, and especially through this show, I've appreciated so many other works, and it really has that heartfelt uh, incantation uh, behind it, and it's a way to really express your thoughts and feelings on a subject that does not come across in prose very often. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was not a huge fan of poetry because for a long time I found it kind of inaccessible. People would read a poem out of a book and talk about how deep that was and how interesting the metaphor was. And I was like, I don't get it, you know? (laughs) So um, poetry was, I felt like it was some kind of like little club that I didn't quite know the secret knock for, you know? (laughs) But, uh, But talking to some more contemporary poets, going to poetry readings and hearing people tell their stories kind of behind their poetry, it's, um, it really opened up a whole new world for me. So I always try to um, be accessible to people and, you know, want to kind of open that up because it really was a surprise to me and it was a great surprise. Oh, yes, absolutely. Now, you have been you've been writing for some time now and you've had you've got a few other projects uh one of your previous books mother may i was a book of poetry came out earlier this year in march correct and you have works in other uh other stories as well is that correct yeah um so mother may i came out this year in, in may with animal heart press and um i also have a book it's it's under contract right now it's called um confess the untold story of dorothy good and it's about a little girl who was the youngest um, accused person in the Salem witch trials. She was four years old when she was arrested. Oh. And, yeah, the book of poetry kind of follows her and what we know of her life, which isn't a whole lot. And then it kind of goes into the realm of a little bit of historical fiction and some conjecture about what her life might have been like after after those trials. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, so right now I'm I'm researching and writing that, and um, I have a publisher, so it'll come out October of next year in 2020 with Twisted Press. Very cool! Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, the the book, uh, the story behind it. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. It's really amazing, you know. And actually, it's it's funny because you think about like, well, where where do these ideas for poetry come from? <laughs> and I, I happen to be listen, listening to another podcast that was a kind of a history podcast, and they were talking about the trials, and they just sort of mentioned her name, and it stood, it stood out to me, and I thought, well, who's that? You know, and so it just sends you off down this kind of rabbit hole, um, and you find out all kinds of information. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a another uh, – one of the recurring themes is um, I used to write a long time ago, and then life got in the way. The other one, <laughs> and uh, the other recurring theme I hear a lot is the uh, some little snippet of something, you know, or the the writer's ears picking up on something that they heard somewhere, and like, huh, what is that? And where, what's that about? And what can that, or oh, the the what if? Um, yeah, that, definitely. That, that's been a popular thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I'm interested in a lot of um, historical figures, and I'm sometimes interested in like kind of obscure people from history or people we didn't learn about in school necessarily, or maybe there's a new perspective on them. And so it's really interesting to kind of dig into the past and see what's there. Mm, I I agree. Well, speaking of history, do you have uh, do you have another poem for us along those lines? I do. Um, I actually have a couple poems. Uh, let's see. Uh, I have uh, one that is about World War II and the stocking shortage for women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of a weird thing to write about, but this is what happens when, when I'm writing these poems. Um, <laughs> I love it. You know, well, it was like, I can't remember how it came up, but in World War II, Japan was the um, the silk supplier for stockings. So, of course, we didn't get along very well with them. And uh, the stockings, the silk stopped coming in. And what they did have, they had to commandeer for the war effort for parachutes. So, you know, what what were women going to do? They they felt like they needed to have their stockings. Um, so they started painting their legs. And uh, using eyebrow pencils to draw seams up the back of their legs to make it look like they had stockings on. So, um, no so yeah. So this poem's kind of about that. <laughs> All right. I, I'm getting my coffee. I'm sitting back to enjoy this. All right. Painted leg. It won't do, grandmother said, to show bare legs. You need smoothness and muscle tone, not to mention the barrier between the hands of men or even their eyes in your flesh. No silk to be had. There's a war on, by the way. But still, the illusion must remain intact. Nothing's changed. A line painted straight. Help each other out, girls. Munitions by day, eyebrow pencils by night. Trade coveralls for painted legs and do right. Rosie may be a riveter, but she's also got to be riveting because those men, they're coming back and they'll expect your stocking legs and painted smiles to greet them. Grandmother says, do your part, but don't forget your place. And please just paint your legs. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a. Uh... You know, now that's one that uh, makes me unsure how to feel. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's interesting, and yet my heart goes out to them for feeling that that was, uh, you know, a part of life, that that was so necessary for them to do at the same time. Well, you know, I think it's uh, World War II empowered women in a lot of ways because they started doing things they never thought they would do before, like working in the munitions factories and mm -hmm. uh, working on planes. But they still, I think, sort of didn't know how to be because they had kind of one foot in this sort of traditional role and the other one in this sort of modern role that nobody had a pattern for yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think, I think that, you know, I talk about the grandmother in it and a lot throughout the poems in the book. There's information and advice that gets handed down from woman to woman, mother, grandmother, and it's all well-meaning but they don't always realize the impact of it. And so I think, you know, that's kind of where that poem comes from. Oh, okay. All right. Well, and this is kind of going back to what we talked about before, was that the thing with poetry is it it really, 
there is that deeper feeling to it, and it kind of makes you question some things that uh, you may not have thought of before. Kind of like what what I had done there with with it made me uh, question how I felt about that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's you know these these women, like I said, it, a lot changed for them after the after the war, and. Mm. Um, I, I think that they were trying to kind of figure themselves out too. So it's hard to know, um, when something new is happening that's never happened and it affected the whole world. It wasn't just like a few individual people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, now back here in America, as you know, this is the fall time of year. So there's lots of homecomings and, uh, we had, we just had our homecoming here yesterday at the college. Uh, with the uh, the parades and such, and I know you've mm-hmm. got a poem about parades, which I may not be leading us into this one correctly or not, but <laughs> I, I would love to hear it. <laughs> sure. Uh, you, we may not know how to feel about this one either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I have right. a feeling it's probably nothing like I was leading us into with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's called Girls on Parade. Flown high. Small voices turn loud for crowds, synchronized to one breath. Hair pulled tight, bound and topped in glitter gleaming below lights, lifting spirits for jerseys and pads and helmets on a Friday night. A V-notch modern, spankies printed to draw the eye, twirl and whirl, long looks up legs, red lips, wide eyes. No name stitched for recognition, chromosome deficient, just one organism, until determined they are competition for matching skirts. Okay. Yep. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think... It it got me thinking about when uh, my my daughter was a cheerleader in high school, and I'd go and I think the first time I got to see her in her cheerleader outfit, I thought, "Wow, they've changed a lot from when I was in yeah. school. The, yeah, the uniforms are different." <laughs> For sure, and you know, my daughter, um, she's 21 now, but she was a cheerleader in high school, and so I went to all those Friday night games, um, and. Gosh, I, I don't think people realize how hard they work mm-hmm. um, and how athletic they actually are. And my daughter, they would train in the off season, and she helped lift girls, so she would um, lift weights, and she came home with bruises and all kinds of stuff, you know. <laughs> um, but what was interesting for me about it is that all of these girls work very hard to synchronize themselves, and they get sort of recognition as a squad and out on like the football field, they get recognition as a team, but it's usually the boys, you know, playing football and they each have their own number and their name on their Jersey. And so there's, there's the space for some individual recognition too. Mm. And it's interesting to me that these girls all work together so hard to perform these complex routines but then outside of that, they sort of become competition for each other, you know, whether it's for attention or for social standing or whatever it is. And so that team kind of melts away. And it's, it was just interesting to me because I was always so proud of her. 
but you know, it was just, it was them as a squad. There was not really room for any individual achievement there. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. That's something I hadn't considered because yeah, like you said, you go to the, <clears throat> we go to the football games and we're watching, you know, and go team. And, you know, I think the general consensus is, oh yes. And there's the cheerleaders over here cheering and, <laughs> You know, look at how cute yeah. they are, and they got this nice little exactly. chair. But, but they're putting a lot of work into that. And, yeah, you know, as a father, like it's one of those things I wasn't paying that close of attention to until I was a father and watching my daughter out there, and I would kind of forget that there was a game going on because I'm watching what they're doing. And, and, uh, hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. it's... <laughs> You know, my daughter, my daughter learned a lot of great and valuable skills from cheerleading and it's nothing against that sort of thing. But the observation, it's just very interesting how we treat it sort of differently. And it's sometimes treated as a sport, like if you go to the cheering competitions and, and things like that, but not necessarily in the school. Mm, okay. It, it reminds me a little bit of the education I had growing up as well, because my mother was a part of has been a part of the Miss Missouri competition for, oh gosh, decades now. And, mm -hmm. you know, that my ideals on that changes from when I'm uh, a young man to now growing up. And of course, seeing the behind the scenes and seeing all the work that they go into mm -hmm. with this scholarship and, and what it really means. It's not just a pageant. It's not show. And, and I was like, there's a lot that goes into it and it's, sometimes a little sad to see the competition and how hard they are working into this kind of like with the, the cheerleading. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking over your other publications. I mean, you have been quite busy. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, since January of 2018, I, I can't even do the math this quick. I mean, there's gotta be 30 poems uh, scattered throughout different, uh, publications. Yeah, you know, I I don't really keep track of it. Um, <laughs> I I just I just keep putting them out there, and I just keep writing. Um, but yeah, I've been really fortunate because um, the poetry community that I've connected with on Twitter has put me in contact with a lot of interesting journals and independent kind of literary magazines, and they've been really welcoming. So I really appreciate the chance to have the platform um, to put my work out there because I remember when I was at, in college and it was like, you know, put a stamp on it, send it out in the mail and never hear back again. <laughs> and the, the opportunity now is just so much, um, it's just so much easier to be able to send your work out, you know, and the turnaround time is so fast. Um, so sometimes they pile up a little quicker than I, I think that they will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And going over some of these publications, uh, some of them are even, uh, some of the poems that I see on here are even some of them that are coming up with anatomy address like smocked. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, smocked is kind of a, it's a funny story behind that poem. Um, it's about my, my youngest, uh, cousin. Um, and she, she was about, I don't know, three or four when this happened. And we were at the Philadelphia zoo. Our family was on a trip together and it was hot, you know, like it's been hot this summer. And my brother and um, 
and uh, my other cousin, they decide that they're going to take their shirts off because they're hot. Well, uh, my cousin Raven, she, she doesn't understand why she can't do the same thing, you know? So it's kind of like the shock that happens when everybody's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But she's, she's just a little girl and she's like, well, why not? <laughs> you know? Doesn't seem fair. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if you, if you would please, let's, let's hear from Smart. Absolutely. Smart. Puckered tight, disapproving lips where threads have pulled and gathered red and white gingham checks across a chest that doesn't know how to expand just yet. Tennis shoes tied in double knots, sun licking pavement until it is gooey, spongy with heat. I pull at cotton-filled elastic, a sticky hug clinging without consent, ruffled straps slipped off shoulders until I am free, like my brother, my cousin, who bare their chests in the blazing June heat. Shock and awe at my newfound bravery, which isn't bravery at all, but a misunderstanding of the rules of what girls don't do. The edge of my bobbed hair cutting the knife line into my cheeks while my head hangs and mother rushes to cover me, but not before a picture is taken that everyone will laugh at for years to come. Wasn't she cute when she didn't understand, when she thought she could do anything just like the boys? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've, I <laughs> remember those days. That's <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, kids, kids sometimes are, they're just so honest and they're so like, well, you know, why can't I do that? It doesn't, it, and it doesn't make logical sense, you know, yeah. but, but we have, we have our reasons, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like when, uh, when our kids are young and it's like, no, just everybody in the tub, uh, you're all together. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So, and, and of course, you know, as the parents, we're like, we want to take our pictures. So I've got, we've got our pictures in the photo albums with the, our, our boy and the two girls. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they're all in there together, but they're all little. So they don't know any yeah. different. And, and it's cute. Exactly. But, but yeah, when she, once they get older, they don't want to see that. They don't want, oh, God, no, no. no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you are also the editor for Mookie Chick magazine. Uh, mm -hmm. How? Tell us about Mookie Chick. Oh, Mookie Chick is just really great, quirky, eclectic space, and um, I'm the poetry editor there. But it's a magazine out of the UK, and um, gosh, we cover all kinds of topics from anything to do with feminism or subculture, anything quirky or strange, we probably covered it. Um, there's uh, creative nonfiction there, essays, articles, and like I said, I do the poetry, and um, we are always open for poetry submissions, and I get a lot of those, and it's just been such a pleasure. I've been doing it for about a year and it's so wonderful to connect with new poets or writers that I've not ever read their work before. And it's, it's really fantastic. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. I just, and I love, it's one of those names that you just love saying. 
<laughs> yeah, it's definitely the quirk factor is really high. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though. I really like it. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, now you have a poem here, uh, Islet. Now, what yes. uh, what can we expect from Islet? What is this? So it's funny because the, the title of the poem is I let, so it's the word I and then the word let, but it's kind of a play on words because it's about um, like metal grommets, eyelets that are in clothing. Mm. Um, and this particular one is about corsets. And I was reading, you know, it's funny because I think sometimes we like to blame men for a lot of things, but it was actually a woman, Catherine de' Medici, who was wife of King Henry II, that decided in the mid-1500s that she was going to ban thick waist from her court because she didn't like that. So all the women had to wear corsets. Mm-hmm. And that was probably okay, I guess, for a little while. But then eventually the metal grommet um, was created. It was invented in the 1800s. And that made it so you could pull those corsets really tight. And, uh, yeah, so it introduced, like, um, the idea of tight lacing. And I have actually been in a corset before, and, you know, there's only so much room in your body and your torso, and things have to, like, move around, and it's very uncomfortable. So um, this poem is about my experience um, being in the tight lacing for the first time. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's called Eyelet. I let breath in, arms raised for a torso wrapped in whalebone stays, cords, ribbons, thongs, and things, swooped swift laces through eyelets until I am a puppet of flesh squeezed in from the middle to perfection, brought in by degrees so much better if only my rib cage weren't in the way. Internal organs squish and sway until my heart feels like it's lodged at the base of my throat and my insides ache. Pulled too fast, too tight, you couldn't wait. But this hourglass runs out of sand more quickly than we think, and I let your eyes devour what's left of me, which is not much when I am reduced to silk and stays. Oh, my goodness. Such a wonderful play on words throughout the uh, the entire poem. Thank you. That was a lot of fun to write. That was that was exquisite. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh wow. With uh, and one of the things I really like with all of these poems, and of course this is something I've learned that it's planned this way, is all of your titles are a tie-in to the the name of the book. Anatomy of a Dress, so it all ha- it all goes back to it, which, of course, duh, and of course, that's, that's the guy's part of my brain going like, well, what what's this about? But I see it now, and you know, I don't know if that's the writer's side coming out or whatever, but this is really cool that you've got it all tied together and this, this recurring theme. Uh, now, do you, I see that some of these are poems you've written like a year ago. Do mm-hmm. you plan out some of these poems in advance or or do you kind of see a theme and then decide to write some more well a lot of times what happens is I have an idea for a single poem and so I'll write that poem and I just kind of tuck it away and then somewhere down the road 
I'll say, oh, I have something else interesting and, oh, I could kind of put that together. And then sometimes it, it all comes together like that. This particular book was a little more planned. Um, in the beginning of the book, I talk a little bit about how when I was painting, I was actually sketching a lot um, for my paintings and I was working on a project um, based on something I saw at the Costume Institute at the Met in New York. And it was about all of these gowns, which I ended up doing as some abstract paintings. And basically, I had done a lot of research on how those gowns were constructed and kind of the architecture of them. And that kind of led me down the path of anatomy of a dress and thinking about all the pieces of the things that I put on every day and kind of what they mean to me. Okay. Well, it you know, kind of like that last poem, it it's exqui exquisite work. Uh, just like a, a well-made dress, it seems this, this book is equally as well-made. And is this something, uh, you seem to be having a lot of fun with the poetry. So I'm, I'm going to expect that uh, we, we will see many more books of poetry from you in the future. Oh, definitely. I have, um, I have always have so many projects going on. Um, and with, um, I'm working on a book about Hilma F. Clint, the artist, um, and I'm doing some research into Mary Queen of Scots as well. So I kind of see, I usually do some research and then see where the inspiration takes me, you know, so I definitely have a lot going on. Okay. And are you, have you given any thought to trying a, uh, a novel at some point as well? Or do you think uh, this is kind of your new home? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I think that I will probably write prose again. Um, a novel, you know, after you've been writing poetry, it's like, oh, write a whole chapter. What? <laughs> <laughs> so many words, you know. Um, but I... You know, I wrote a really bad novel many years ago during Nano. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've all done that at least once. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love storytelling, and so I think that there's every possibility that I could end up back there again. But I'm just not ready to uh, to put the poetry away yet. I, I tell you, something I have learned from the just the tiny little dabbling I've done in some poetry. Uh, thanks to my local writing group, we had a, a a poet came in and we did some exercises. And something I learned from this is, although we're letting, just like with uh, with prose writing, we're letting our feelings come out uh, as far as the story, because you know either you're planning it or you're plotting, plotting or pantsing. Whether you're doing one or the other, you're still letting this come pour out of you. And with poetry, there is the search for the right word. There's the cutting it down to precisely what your feelings are, what you're trying to say, which too often with novel writing, we're just pouring it all out. And then mm -hmm. it's like pulling teeth to like, no, 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 we can't cut that. No. Oh, no, this this, <laughs> this scene is special to me. It it ties everything together. And then somebody shows you like, you've already written this three times in this paragraph. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas with poetry, I've, I've learned that it it, it taught me how to look at my own writing in a way that how to tell the story in a tighter sense or in a tighter mm -hmm. way, yeah. which, which is really incredible about poetry that I never would have thought of uh, before trying some myself. 
Yeah, you know, it's because I'm definitely a kind of prose writer that if you give me if you give me the whole lane, I'll use it all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets really wordy. So I totally understand. It's very hard to cut back from from your words. Yep, yep. Now, uh, Anatomy Address is coming out in December. The pre-order will be available through both the links in the show notes and on uh, your website, which is? It's julietwrites.com. Perfect. And I see that there are also your social media links are there so people can follow yes. you on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, where is there any place else that uh, that we should plug? Um, no. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I mean, you know, I I've got the website and I just I just can't Facebook yet. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> so not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem, not a problem. Okay, well, I, I, I guess it's about time. Um, I'm gonna step aside for one more poem, and uh, we'll hear the, the, the namesake poem of the uh, of the book. And mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I've had a wonderful time. I'm so happy that we finally got to set this up and and make this happen. And I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for one more poem from the delightful writer and poet Juliet Vandermolen with Anatomy of Address. Anatomy of Address. Do not choose a neckline too low. Though we call you sweetheart until the time comes to grow and bloom, swelling to show decolletage, beckoning hands or mouths that never noticed before, now itching to touch, tongue seeking to slake. Be watchful of hemlines that land a secret code across ankles, calves, and you ask for it thighs, alerted to all seeing eyes. Even those sleeves, bearing shoulders much less wanton than knees, a litmus test, your willingness to undress, to bear freckled skin for the enjoyment of men. Zippered along a spine, fit and flare calling all entry points no twirl will defend. Best done trembling vertical, blending into brick and mortar, for there is far less molestation at the edges of a life lived safely out of bounds. We are skirts of signal flags calling to ships but boarded by pirates in treacherous waters, dragged under the power of a full fathom five against clenched fists and hungry mouths. Treasure tossed without care, unkind and unfair. The fact still remains. This is the anatomy of a dress. And that was Juliet Vandermolen reading six poems from her latest book, Anatomy Address. The pre-order for that is available right now, so click the link in the show notes so you can get on over to her website and pre-order this book. It's, it's a wonderful collection of poems, and I was delighted to get to speak with her and, and hear uh, some samples of this. Don't forget to also click the links for our friends and sponsors alike, and hit that subscribe button so that next week you don't miss out when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. 
take care everybody thank you so much for the uh for the touching emails and uh i'll see you again next week